You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. Dalton with Connor and Isaiah here today. Three of us. You know what that means? Don't say the W word. Don't say the W word. Weave. Three man weave. Lots to talk about this week, so let's get right into it. We talked Gophers last week. Kind of a letdown on Thursday. Heartbreaker. Lost to Ohio State. Connor, what were your thoughts on the game? I got to have a hand up moment here. Um, So I get back home. I think it was right at the beginning of the third quarter-ish is when I got back home from what I was doing that evening. And the Gophers are up four. And immediately when I get home, Ohio State scores. And I'm just like, oh, it's a bummer. Like, it's all right. We'll see how we go. And then moments later, Mo Ibrahim gets hurt. And then Ohio State scores. And then we throw a pick six. And it was just like the whole thing unraveled. And so my hand up moment is because it may be my fault. When I started watching, everything started to go bad. And that's not a good feeling. Overall, I was stoked with the first half. I was like, yeah, we're playing. We're playing really solid. We were competing with a, a really good team. I think our defense was playing pretty decent. Our offense was playing really good. Um, it's just like when you get into a shootouts, and I think that's what every analyst in the country was saying, is Minnesota needs to control the ball, control the clock, run it down their throat with like the one of the best running backs in the country, a pretty good offensive line, all this stuff kind of we talked about at the beginning of last week too. Um, yeah, it was just a bummer to see them slip away and kind of get into the shootout mode because that's not where we want to be. That's not how we're going to be able to compete with Ohio State, and that's why the game ended up being 14 points. For those of you betting out there, I was looking for a while, and I was like, oh, 13 and a half. That spread was like, they're going to get it. Like the Gophers are going to, going to cover that one, and then spirals out of control. I'm kind of with you on the uh, this might be my fault. Because I, Uh-oh. hand up also, I tweet hashtag Ibrahim for Heisman. Immediately, the two <laughs> turnovers and a ruptured, a ruptured Achilles. So that was, uh, was, that was <laughs> about as poor timing as you could possibly have for that one. So that tweet did not go viral. Wow, this is great, guys. I also thought it was my fault. I, hey! I had stepped out of the room. I come back in. I had missed kind of the third quarter-ish parts of it. And I saw Dalton's tweet. I was stoked. Looked at the TV. It was the first play that I saw was Ibrahim go down. So I don't know. I guess it's nobody's fault at that point. Nobody's fault. None of our faults. We share it. We share the burden there. Um, wow, guys, that's incredible. We all kind of were like nervous there about, about our participation in the game. That's nuts. Kind of a trust tree here. Did anybody uh, did anybody feel good or as good as I did about the rest of the season? I thought this was a pretty good showing uh, for their first game. Tough matchup. It. I mean, we were at home, which gives us a slight advantage. They did have a, you know, you talked about it, a freshman quarterback, his first action. He settled in nicely. 
he's going to be sweet. But I thought uh, surprise, a nice surprise. sign, right? Yeah. Ohio State has a good quarterback. Huh? I bet he um, sucks in the NFL like all the rest. I, with Ibrahim going down, it's going to be a different season now, potentially. Like, it's just the game plan is going to shift a little bit. But I thought Tanner Morgan's third downs, especially like later in the game, like that third quarter, early fourth quarter, I actually thought he did a pretty good job on third downs. I think he had good reads. He picked up some like crucial, like third and eights, third and nines, like when we would get stuffed twice on the run and then he would pick it up. So obviously things are going to land a little bit more on his shoulders for the rest of the season. And uh, I think, I mean, if you're ever going to be ready, it's a seventh year senior, right? That's the guy who's got to be ready to be able to take a little bit of burden handle a little bit of extra load. Right. Yeah. And I mean, captain obvious here, but it's going to also come down to like, how good are the backup running backs now? Cam Wiley and Trayson Potts. They were solid recruits. I think Ibrahim has sort of exceeded expectations. So he's sort of became the, the workhorse, but the backup running backs don't have a ton of experience. So we'll see how they can sort of handle the load too, Whoa. because Hello. you know, they're not going to stop running that read option anytime soon. And I think you make a good point about it being a good showing. The Gophers didn't have Chris Ottman bell who's their number one wide receiver, and they lost to safety. They're starting safety early in the game. So they were without two of their biggest playmakers. Going forward, I mean, they'll probably be right around that eight and four prediction we have, but I don't think they're going to be out of the running and non-competitive. I think they'll be able to compete against anyone on the schedule the rest of the year. So do we know the severity of Mo Ibrahim's injury because the things that I was seeing online, like the video of it looked pretty bad for knee and Achilles. But I thought this is a foot injury on ESPN. So I don't know if they've come out with a press release on what the actual injury was and how long he'll be out. No, I don't think there was any official ruling, but you could definitely see a pop. Mm-hmm. which was really scary. The TV announcers were brutal. They're like, so oh, funny. it looks like a cramp. Probably yeah, just a cramp. I'm like, cramp. no, cramps do not pop like that. They're like, they stuck to their take. They're like, I hope it's a cramp. And they do the super slow-mo. And it's literally like an explosion in the back of the leg. And guy goes, yeah, cramp. Yeah, I've had that same cramp <laughs> for in, at 4 a.m. when I'm sleeping. Damn it. Um, I, I also think one thing to look out for with the Gophers is I think this is going to be a sneaky good receiving core. And I don't know if we talk about this enough. Um, that may be sarcasm a little bit from the past, but the Gophers have brought in good receivers like over PJ Flex time. Like Tyler Johnson, I believe, was a kill recruit, but obviously Rashad Bateman, Chris Hopman Bell, I think he's going to be like a legit player this year if he's healthy. Um, and then some of the guys on the depth chart, there's uh, number 18, uh, Clay Gary, I believe is his name. Director senior, I think he's going to be pretty solid for them. Um, they have a, a freshman that was like a three or four star recruit, uh, wide receiver. I think his name is Brady Bodie or Boyd, maybe. Um, and so I think they're going to have a sneaky good receiving core this year, which bodes well potentially for uh, for Tanner Morgan being um, 37 years old and playing college football still. And then our offensive line solid just. I think you're, you said it, Dalton. It depends what kind of depth we have at the running back position because we go from a legitimate Heisman hopeful or watchless Heisman guy to 
<laughs> who knows? Who knows what we have? So the running back position is going to be huge for us. Staying healthy is going to be huge because I don't see our depth at very many positions being strong. To receiver point, did you see the touchdown catch from Dylan Wright, the sophomore? That was a that was a sweet catch, and he looked pretty good. I mean, he I don't think he had played like in any games before. Yeah, Ohio he, State, but he caught a touchdown. And I don't know if you saw after the game um, the clips of the strip sack from Tanner Morgan, but Wright was running like a corner route and had ten yards of separation from his corner. It was going to be a massive play. So that that was just that kind of was like twisting the knife of like. Strip sack sucks, but it was also going to probably be like a 40-yard gain. That's a dagger. I think one thing that – so, first of all, I guess welcome back um, college football this weekend because it was a full slate and everything. But watching some of the – hey, there you go. Uh, some, of the, some of the things I noticed, too, is, man, college quarterbacks are just – they will miss wide open guys all over the place. Not with the throw, just like not even know it's there. Like I was uh, – I'm trying to remember. I think I was watching the Indiana-Iowa game. And they did like a, a read pass option. And there was a guy in the flat. The quarterback chose the throw to the guy in the flat. Well, he was double covered. And the, it was a broken coverage. And the guy running the wheel route that was just like seven yards downfield, wide open. Touchdown for sure. He dumps it down. And like as soon as he let go of the ball, his follow through, just both hands went to the helmet. Like, oh, damn it, I should have got to my second read. <laughs> and so I was just like, man, college football is the best. Like, this is why this is why top teams will lose to, you know, average teams because, like, you just never know what, like, a 19, 20-year-old is going to do. And that's just the best example of them not going through their read progression, just throwing the ball to a double-covered guy for a loss of two yards instead of hitting the wide-open guy down the sidelines. Like, nobody within 10, 15 yards. And it was just like, this is beautiful. This is this is what I want every Saturday is to see mistakes like this. Uh, we're finding out that Connor just loves chaos and is just yeah. not the biggest fan of like precision and execution. <laughs> it just yeah. ma- massively prefers college and like amateur sports for like the reasons he's always outlined. You just, just never know. Never know. Out there. <laughs> How about Indiana though? Like just to oh. touch on that game, they they were kind of like the every and I guess we can put ourselves in this now. Um, it was they were the media darling like sleeper team. I think going into the season, there was so much talk about like, oh, Indiana is kind of good. Indiana kind of good to get just blown out in your first game. And they obviously it's a long season, and I was a good team, but like not the showing that all the uh, analysts and pundits were looking for from Indiana. Yeah, I think one thing to note too is so like everyone's been all over Indiana's quarterback. He had a really good bowl game last year. Um, he's been pretty successful in this group, but he's been every single year of his college career, he's had like a severe injury. So like it was an ACL concussion and then another ACL in his three college years so far. And so they were really high on him. Like if he stays healthy, they're going to be great. He had two pick six to the same guy. It looked like he was legitimately throwing to the DB from Iowa. Uh, his last name was Moss, number 33, which I always kind of, you know, relate back to Randy, especially when he's running for like 40-yard touchdowns, just the wrong direction for Indiana. But, yeah, I was underwhelmed by him, and I think Indiana may fall into the situation that Gophers did after our really big season where it's like you all this expectations, and then you come out, and for whatever reason, it's not clicking. And it's one game, right? So we're smashing the panic button, I guess, for Indiana over here. Yeah. But 
ultimately, it, I thought he looked really bad. And I was like, that's not a good sign if you're Indiana. Because their whole team is built around him and through him. But if you watched the Penn State game last year, Indiana-Penn State, it was like the second game of the year. He, that's why everyone was so high on him. I think, like me, most analysts watched, that was the only game they watched from Indiana last year. Hand up, only game I watched of Indiana last year. And he was so sweet. And so, like, he was the definition of grit and heart and determination. Like, just making insane plays up and down the field. Gets that overtime win against Penn State. And I was like, this guy's going to be amazing forever. Uh, so, highs and lows. Oh, yeah. All right, let's keep rolling with football. We did the Gophers record prediction last week. This week, we're doing Vikes. It's the last Sunday without football until January. Next week, week one. All right, we'll do it just like last week. I'll give you guys the game. You tell me whether you think the Vikes are going to win or lose. If you disagree, I'll break the tie. So let's start week one. The Vikes go into Cincy to play Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I'm going to go win on this one. You know, I think the Bengals are, are kind of heading in the right direction, but I don't think they're there yet. I think they need a couple more good draft classes to get themselves in a, in a really competitive position. Um, but I just think the Vikings will have too much offensively for them. Yep, just like Tommy John and ACL, they're always, you're better the second year. So Joe Burrow won't quite be all that this season, especially week one. W. W. Two road games to start the season. They go to Arizona, take on Kyler Murray. What do we say? This game will actually be, I think, an interesting test of the defense and uh, I, specifically the defensive line. Like, can they contain Murray and keep him from extending plays and doing these crazy things? Because we know if the timeline gets extended for the secondary. It's probably not going to be very good for the Vikings. And it's obviously not good for most secondaries, even if they're very good. They just can't cover for that long. So it's really going to fall on the front four and their ability to keep Murray in the pocket and, and shorten these plays. Um, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a shootout, I think. I think it will be a high-scoring affair. It's going to be a big Kirk week. I think this will be a great week for Kirk. Uh, it'll be one that people turn to towards the end of the season. If he's not having good games, they'll be like, but do you remember when we played the Cardinals and we put up 45 Kirk looked amazing. I'm going Vikes in a, in a shootout W. I'm actually going the other direction. So we're going to get the third party involved here. <clears throat> I mean, one thing that this pivots on slightly is if AJ Green is anything like him old his old self, which we'll see. I mean, the addition of AJ Green to the receiving core, you have DeAndre Hopkins on one side, AJ Green on the other, which was obviously a bigger name nine years ago, but still he might have some left in the tank. And then Christian Kirk in the slot, that's a pretty good receiving core. Uh, if anybody gets injured. Andy Isabella, I don't know if you know, but his claim to fame is being the guy who was picked right before DK Metcalf, so a good pick by the Cardinals there. Um, and then they also have Randall Moore, who is was the Purdue guy last year, who was just insane, running all over the people in the Big Ten. And I just think, I think he might be a legit um, NFL player in the future. So 
I'm nervous about that. The running back situation, James Edmond or Chase Edmonds, pretty good. And then James Conner added from Pittsburgh. So they have a lot of offensive firepower. So I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one. It's weird saying the Cardinals are good. I feel like they've just been like a bad team for long enough where you're kind of like, yeah, they have Kurt Warner back. So otherwise they're probably going to suck. And now they're like, whoa, this offense is kind of cool. Are we sure that Patrick Peterson is still good? I feel like right now we're really banking on Peterson being a CB1. And I don't know if he can still do that. Like, he's old. Peterson's old. He's the thinnest yeah. he's been since college. He's in great shape. Hasn't, hasn't lost a step. It makes me nervous. I'm going lost. I, I don't think... I don't know. I, I just don't have faith in the secondary to face receiving cores with multiple threats. One and one, going into week three, first home game, Seattle Seahawks. I mean, this might surprise some people, but I am actually going to go with the W on this one. I think the Seahawks are good, no doubt, but I think the first game back at US Bank Stadium, I think it's going to be rocking. I think it's going to be a tough place to play it. And I think, you know, every season there's always one game at least, where you upset a team who in the beginning of the season, you're like, we're definitely losing that one. So I think we're going to squeak by in this game and, and, and beat them in a close one. And honestly, at home, we've tended to play the Seahawks pretty well over the last few years. So I'm going Vikings over Seahawks in this one. Two and one for me. I feel like it's been forever since the Vikes have played the Seahawks at home. And I almost want to be like, has it been since Blair Walsh in the playoffs at TCF since the Vikes have played the Seahawks. It always feels like we're out there dealing Every with season. the 12th man and it's just a tough atmosphere to play. It's always kind of raining and it's always close. Like you said, Connor, they're, they're always in those games and it always comes down to like that last drive, last couple possessions. Like, And it seems yep. to always turn towards the Seahawks uh, and I don't think it's because of the home field advantage for me. I just think it's Line them up, Kirk versus Russ. I got to take Russ all day, every time. So I'm going loss here. Comes back to me again. I think I'm going to say the home field advantage is going to make a difference this game. It's first home game of the season. Fans are ready to pack the bank, get rowdy. I think that's going to make a difference. And I don't think Seattle is going to be quite as good this year as they have been in the past. Start with season two and one. We're going to find out if our, we have any good fans at all. That's one thing we know for sure. Mm -hmm. Do we have good fans? Because it's been like two years since we've had a legit chance to really get in there and get loud. And if they don't impact this game, I don't know. Move the team. I, yeah. Move the team. They can so, go to Vegas. Double up. We don't see, even deserve them. See, this is where the coach goes in the locker room before the game and goes, hey, we haven't played in front of fans in this many days. Like, Let's go out there and deliver. But honestly, in the tailgate lots, we should be having the same conversations. Dads to sons, grandfathers to dads. Hey, we haven't got out here. We haven't competed vocally in a while. We're going to need to step up, bring the energy for these boys. That's what needs to be happening in tailgate lots before this Vikings game because mm -hmm. we got to match the intensity of the team. We we're need to compete vocally. You. I love that. <laughs> That's right. Got to compete. Yeah, I'll say this. If the skull at the beginning of the game is the loudest that stadium gets, 
That's a bad sign. We're in trouble. Yep. All right, so we roll into week four, and Cleveland comes to town. Get your Kevin Stefanski jerseys out. What do we say? I mean, if you're worried about the Cardinals and the weapons and the offense that they have, and we're calling that one a loss, it, you'd be so hypocritical of you guys to give them a W here. I think the Browns have too much firepower, which, holy moly, that's a weird sentence. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, are we talking about the toilet, or what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> And their defense is like kind of pretty solid too. Uh, I gotta go loss here. Yeah, I think I think I'm in the same boat. I, I honestly, I will say though, I think the Cardinals have more firepower than the Browns do. I think the receiving core for the Cardinals. I I just am not. I'm not really a big believer in Jarvis Landry being like a top twenty wide receiver, and I don't think Odell is what Odell used to be. So I would say the Cardinals are a little bit more explosive offensively. The running back situation, the Browns are in a real good spot. And quarterback, yet to probably be determined, I would take Kyler Murray over. over uh, um, the Butcher, the Baker, Baker the Candlestick Maker? That's, that's the one. Yeah, I think Kyler Murray's going to have a better career personally. So I, I will say, though, that I think it's a similar game. I think the Vikings lose. And, uh, and we're down to two and two. Two and two when the Lions come to town. Three straight home games. Connor? I don't have much to say. I think the Lions getting rid of Stafford kind of tells the story there on what their situation is going to look like this year. I think they're going to be a relatively bad team, and I think the Vikings are going to win this one by like 10 points. Does anybody remember that game? It was a long time ago, and this is just a random plug, but it was a game when the Vikings played the Giants in like 2007 or something like that, and they had like eight sacks on Eli Manning. He looked, there were a couple where he just would like snap the ball and like two seconds just fall over because he didn't want to get hit hard again. I think that is what's going to happen against the Lions at home. They're going to devour Jared Goff. He's going to retire, I think, like that Bills guy did. Uh, at the at the half. At half. Yeah, he's just gonna be like, I'm done. Because if you think of what Matt Stafford has gone through with the Lions, and like he's broken his back, he's hurt all the time, but he is an absolute warrior. No offense to Goff, but he's not that level of warrior. I think he's gonna retire at halftime. And that might be a point where the Lions are like 0 and 4, and it really sinks in already to the players. Like our season is over, and they're rolling mm -hmm. into Minnesota. And if the Vikes are like at two and two, or it's kind of a turning point, and they need the game. Yeah, it could be ugly. So then back on the road to Carolina, face the Panthers. Mike? The Panthers aren't good. Yep. You're not worried about Sam Darnold? No. I I do like a chubby-faced quarterback, as I just talked about with Matt Stafford, but this mm -hmm. one is not that one. Uh, Sam Darnold, not worried about it. I think Christian McCaffrey is good. You just He's going to get some points. He's going to do some sweet stuff, but... I don't think he's necessarily like going to change the tide of the game. It, on paper, you got to say the Vikes are better than the Panthers and they should go in there and win this one. Get a little momentum going. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the one area that could make you nervous is just Christian McCaffrey. If he takes over the game, I mean, who knows? But I think they just do not have enough firepower couple notes I do want to make. Homecoming for Pat Elfline. Uh, he was really bad at the end of his Vikings career here, so good to see him coming back for another team. Um, 
Chubba Hubbard, um, a great name, backup running back for the Carolina Panthers, was at Oklahoma State last year. He's like one, like a legit college running back. He was he had awesome numbers his entire career there. So kind of weird to see the two headed monster in the backfield there with Christian McCaffrey, who's awesome, and then Chubba Hubbard. We'll see. That could be a dangerous dan- tandem. And let us not forget backup wide receiver Brandon Zilstra, former Concordia Cobber, um, is still on the roster here and is honestly probably going to get a few a few snaps. So that'll be fun to see too him coming back to Minnesota. But it's just, I mean, when you got a Cobber in your lineup, it's just not a good sign for for your chances in the NFL. No offense. All right, so they roll into the bye week four and two. How do we feel? Solid. I'm, I'd be okay with four and two at the bye week. Yeah, yeah. With a, a couple tough games in there, I'd say. Yeah, if if the Seahawks are decent, if the Cardinals are as good as you guys think they might be, and the Browns are as legit as they were last year, I would say four and two is solid. If they could beat one of those three teams, like we said, I'll be okay with that. I think they need to be four and two going into the bye if they want to legitimately compete. Because coming out of the bye, their schedule's hard. It's a rough schedule. If you look at these next five games we're gonna run through, it's Dallas, Baltimore, Chargers, Green Bay, San Fran. That's a gauntlet. So let's get into Ooh. it. Coming out of the bye, four and two, they host the Cowboys. Connor. I don't know. It's just the stigma with the Cowboys or something where you just yeah, they're good, but they're they're never like that good. Like they have all the skill and then they just never seem to put it together into like something successful. So I think we jump out of the bye. I'm gonna make this up because I don't actually know, but I bet Zimmer's great off the bye. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm just gonna assume an extra week of preparation. He's gonna be coming out flying and Vikings are gonna take down the Cowboys, move to five and two. And the buzz has begun. I always take the Vikes over the Cowboys. Yeah. Just on the mere fact of like, it's one team that gets too much hype and it's one team that gets overlooked. I'll always take the Vikes over the Cowboys. And because we beat Tony Romo in that playoff game uh, a while back. Suck it. Yeah. Suck it. And who knows? Like, uh, Dak might not even be playing. Yeah, he'll be re-injured by then, potentially. Yeah. And we're not wishing for it, just so you know. We would never. Mm-mm. The Vikes are three and four under Zimmer coming out of the bye. Just to throw some facts out there on the okay. pod. <laughs> if I needed facts, I'll ask. Okay, thanks. Let's keep it moving here, Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> but on a on a real note, does Cooper Lamb Gallup make anybody nervous? If we're talking secondary's ability to cover, that's three <laughs> solid guys. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a shootout, right? Like, I don't think the Cowboys' defense is is too special and i think our defensive backs are going to struggle um but again it's the cowboys they'll find a way to lose they're really good at that right now but i do think that receiving core is good like should not go overlooked it's a solid crew so then five and two they go to baltimore to play lamar jackson and the ravens another like, what do you say another great receiving core wait uh <laughs> Not unless Lamar's getting passes tipped and catching himself. Um, no love for Rashad Bateman? Jeez, guys. Well, he's a rookie. No allegiance. It's going to take some time. 
Um, I don't know. This one's a tough one. I almost just wanted to defer to Dalton right away. Just let you pick it. I have no idea how they're going to do against the Ravens. I don't know if the Ravens are even that good, to be honest. Like, I completely agree. Let's let Dalton decide on this one. Dalton, you take it. Because <laughs> I have no idea either. Like Lamar's awesome. And I assume he'll destroy us for a little while. But it's like their defense, this isn't the 2000 Ravens defense. Like the, Their defense seems like there's a lot of holes there. And maybe I just don't know enough about the Ravens defense because it feels like we haven't played them in like seven years, um, which is not true. But still, I just I have no idea. This is just a flip of the coin game or toss it to Dalt game. Here's the thing. <laughs> Knowledge time. There's going to be at least one game this season. That Kirk Cousins misses. It might be COVID. It's probably going to be COVID. This is a shot in the dark prediction. He's going to miss this game because of COVID. L. If you've watched any of the preseason, you know what's waiting in the in the back of the closet there, and it's not good. It's not good. Not- so, five and three. How's that for using numbers and football knowledge to make a an informed prediction? Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. But if Kirk's going to miss a game, you'd probably want him to miss a game against a good team. Yeah. You know, like if he misses playing the Lions and then all of a sudden Jared Goff beats Kellen Mond, that's a way to sink your season. So, five and three. Take the trip out west to play the Chargers. Go Ducks. I mean, time zones are hard, so <clears throat> that's one thing against us at times. But I I don't know. I, Chargers have a Cowboys effect to me sometimes where they seem to always find themselves in these shootout games that they somehow lose. Like, I think I am really big on Justin Herbert. I think he's awesome. Um, it pains me to say that because he comes yes. from such a dog doo doo conference, but it's, it's one of those things that you know. I just I think we can beat the Chargers. I think we have to play really well to beat the Chargers in Los Angeles. I always want to say San Diego. They will forever be the San Diego Chargers to me. But um, I think the Vikings are going to squeak by in this one. But I think they're going to have to play really well because. The Chargers are continuing to get better every year, but they just seem to find a way to lose. Like they're they got that Cowboys effect of the recent ten years or whatever. Okay, so weird. Like the last few years, there was uh, the Chargers made the playoffs when, if you remember, they were running the like sort of um, safeties as linebackers thing, and they competed against the Ravens. I think they beat the Ravens in that playoff game. Uh, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, the Chargers, the Chargers. And if you looked at their schedule that year, they were like insanely good in one score games, like just nuts in one. It's like nine and one in one score games, just like totally, totally crazy. And then like the next two years, they were like the flip. They just could not get over the hump in these one score games. Uh, and I think that's what you're talking about of like finding a way to lose a game. Um, mm-hmm. But I think last year in those games, it's sort of like, Justin Herbert got his first shot. He showed a lot more than anybody thought he was going to have. Um, 
And I think that it's shifting for them. I don't think they're in that same rut for me as the Cowboys of like perpetually going to lose games that are close. I think it was a younger quarterback, a younger team learning how to win kind of by losing. Uh, and so I think they're going to be back on the at least even or positive side of those one score games this season. And I think this is one where they are on the right side of that and they're going to beat the Vikings. It's probably going to be close. Uh, I think just because uh, this might be another Kirk game where like he puts up a ton of numbers, but doesn't make that like few key plays where it's the perfect game for him because the people who like him can talk about dang Kirk put up numbers and the people who don't can be like, well, look at what happened. Crunch time, lost. that yeah. kind of game for Kirk here. So I'm going loss. I feel like we're not talking enough about how questionable the Vikings offensive line is. Mm. I compare it to like baseball. This is like a baseball team has a really bad starting rotation, but they have a really good lineup and like a decent bullpen. And it's just really hard to win. Like the Vikings have an offensive line that at best is average mm-hmm. at best. And they have good skill positions and Kirk is good he's sweet QB depends on he's great yeah he's great oh sorry we'll finish that sentence for you elite but i mean no look at a team like the chargers they have joey bosa coming off the edge they have linval joseph up the middle like this is a team that could really give an offensive line problems Mm -hmm. yeah they they do have a good defensive line which is an issue with derisaw being hurt with Guys like Udo, who I don't even really know who he is, but all of a sudden he's burst onto the scene as like a potential starting lineman for us. I think there are going to be a couple games this season where the line loses it for us. And this is a game on paper that looks like that could be the game. Joey Bosa, a couple sacks, Linval causing havoc. I think the Vikes will struggle. So I'm going to go loss as well. Drop them to five and four. And then they welcome the pack to town. Home game versus Green Bay. To me, the season's starting to spiral right now. We're not sure where we're at. We've just lost two in a row. I'm going to guess at least one heartbreaker. Um, I think the Packers are going to be strong. You look position by position, I think they're going to be good this year. It it pains me to say it, but I think the Vikings are going to lose at home to the Packers, which just is a dagger for the season. I think this game... Mark the words, this may be the pivot game for the season to see how things are going to end up shaking out. Ike, you look sad. (sighs) No, I don't know. So there's a name we haven't mentioned yet. It's Delvin Cook. Like we have gotten this far in and this is maybe to Connor's point of like running backs overrated, don't pay him. But is he ever going to like turn the tide of a game? If we haven't talked about him yet, we've only talked about Kirk. We've only talked about like the defense, obviously, but like can a running back impact a game in today's NFL? I hope so. I feel like the Vikings have recently played the Packers fairly strong, uh, especially mm-hmm. at the bank. I think they've been really solid. I think this is one where we actually do get a little bit of an advantage because there is such an intense rivalry that like the Minnesota niceness goes out the window from from the fans' perspective. Like they're willing to like. We're getting it's loud in the bank for this game. I guarantee it, especially if we're five and four, because I think everybody knows what Connor said. Like it's going to be a tide turning game, and this one I just got to go with just heart, gut, 
hope. Let's get a W. Hooker by crook. Man, oh. you guys are getting me more involved than I thought I would be here. I just think this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' like FU tour to the league. I think they're going to be really good this year. I kind of want it to be his FU year to Green Bay. So that'd be nice. Is he over the hill? Is Aaron Rodgers over the hill? Coming off an MVP? Did he peak last year and now he's on the backside of this hill? <laughs> it this, seems like every, COVID as MVPs who, don't as, count. As a guy who spent an extended amount of time in Hawaii this year, it does not do well for your physical fitness. Something to consider. Especially if he's getting all those plate lunches. A lot of Kahlua pig, Locomoco. Oh, could be in trouble. Up. So the last time Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay, no, that was two years ago where Anthony Barr sacked him and injured him, right? They're in Minnesota, you mean? In Minnesota, yeah, excuse me, in Minnesota. That was when he got hurt. And then last year... Last year was a mess. Yes, last year was the first week of the season. Right, right, right. And he threw four touchdowns, lit us up. That was... That's... Having a rivalry game week one, like that, I had such an issue with that personally, but we can get it. was weird that we played him twice away. in the first yeah. six weeks. Like division games, you should be able to, there should be build up to those division games. Like this year, the schedule seems right where it's like we play four games, then have our first divisional game. Like because those are the ones that really, really matter at the end of the day, right? Like you got to win them all, right? But Winning division games are so crucial. So that pissed me off. There, I said it. I just think down the stretch, guys get banged up. Depth is tested. I don't think our secondary has the depth that they need to beat a guy like Rodgers. I think Rodgers will find a way. Three-game losing streak, five and five. And now they go back on the road to play the Niners. Uh, this one for me depends on who the quarterback is. I'll hop in. Actually, I think this could be Trey Lance's first game for first start in the NFL, which I think bodes well for us. I think he's going to be good, but I think in their first start, you just, there's things you can't simulate in practice. So, I mean, the other edge of it is like, there's no tape on him, right? Except for preseason, which they're running a dummy down playbook. So I honestly think the Vikings are going to get back on track in this one. A tough three-week span there where we go off LLL against really good teams. 49ers, I think, are a good team. Good front, <clears throat> excuse me, good front seven, or at least good front four. Their offensive line traditionally has been really good. This preseason, so some of the things that I've, been, that I've read about the 49ers is like some of their offensive line is slipping a little bit, which would be awesome. Love to hear that. Um, yeah, I think, I think we have a chance in this one to... Uh, to pull this one out and get back in the wind calm and then kind of head into like a, a different stretch of the schedule. I'm sold. Let's go. Let's go. I like that. Let's Six do it. Let's five. roll. I got nothing new to say on that. Six and five. I should have prefaced that last game before going into the San Fran. If the Vikes have lost three straight and they're five and five, are there calls for Zimmer to be fired? Or do the Vikings consider 
I guess there are always calls from Zimmer to get fired, but do you think Spielman starts thinking is now a time to go a different direction? I think it's hard to speculate because you don't know, like if Baltimore is like seven and one and the, the, at this point they beat us, it's like, okay, if the Chargers are like six and three, they beat us. If the Packers are like se- seven and one, I don't know what the records look like by weeks and stuff, but you know, if they're all really like top of their division, it's hard to get mad at losing those three games. Whereas if Baltimore comes out and <clears throat> is four and five at week nine or whatever, week 10, and then they beat us, it's like, that's not going to look as good. I think that they will, I don't think they'll fire him mid season unless it gets real ugly. And I think they've proven they're kind of riding him out. They're kind of riding with Zimmer on this one. Um, not firing him after last season or during last season. Feels like they're kind of, all right, we're going to let you work through this. Yeah, I think it's also Spielman's like final bullet. If like he fires Zimmer, then it the clock starts ticking up for mm-hmm. him. So I think he's really going to be patient and sure. And like it's going to have to be, re- like Connor said, really bad for him to make that move because it starts his own timeline towards demise. Okay, so then you said they beat San Fran in San Fran, and then they stay on the road, go to Detroit. Bikes are six and five at this point in Detroit. The one thing I'll say is, it seems like we 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 don't always play our best game in Detroit, but it always seems like it, not always. It seems like it works out more than not. Like the games are always close in my mind, but maybe that's not factually supported. But I think we're gonna get the dub here. I think the Lions, again, are bad this year, but I think for whatever reason, when we go to Detroit, we don't play that well. I don't think it's like a home field advantage thing. I don't think their fans are that rowdy, especially when they've been bad over the last few years. I just think for some reason we have an issue when we go to the... Maybe we're just staying up too, too late listening to some uh, some some music in, in, in sweet Detroit. I don't know what's going on, but yeah. Just a lot of Danny Brown fans on the Vikes that just yep. go to his concerts. Um Boy, if Lou were here, I think he'd be right there with you, Connor. He'd be saying, the Vikes always find a way to lose one in a season against the Lions. And uh, I think that is has been true. And I think that's just, for me, that's the Matt Stafford effect. That like he'll, He just wins a couple games for them every year. And I, again, do not think Jared Goff will be able to do that. And actually, I already said he's retired, so I don't even know who their backup quarterback is. And whoever that is, he's not doing it either. So... At, at this point, they're sellers. They're probably getting rid of everyone <laughs> or have gotten rid of everyone. You're not worried about the new grit that the Detroit coach is going to instill in his players? They're going to be clawing. They're going to be ripping your kneecap off, taking a chunk out of your thigh. You guys see that presser? Gritty. You see his opening presser? Yeah. That was a great bit. Yeah, that was amazing. I also, for one, as a guy who drinks a good amount of coffee, I love how much coffee he drinks. And I tell you what, that the amount of coffee he claims to drink, I can understand how you would talk about ripping kneecaps off. Like your brain has to not be at full. It's over capacity. Like his is, people are like, you use 10% of your brain. Obviously that's not true, but like the amount of coffee he drinks, he's using 15% and that's at least 4% too much for a human brain. Analytics. Yeah. Okay, seven and five. Here's a tough one. Home versus Pittsburgh. Nah, Pittsburgh's not good. That's my take. 
I think they're a overblown team. I think Ben Roethlisberger at this point is way over the hump. Uh, I'm not worried about the Steelers. I know they're a gritty team. They always have a good defense. They're going to be well coached, but I think it's all starting to tumble down for Tomlin there. And I think this season will be potentially his last and uh, them losing to the Vikings will be a big piece of that. I love that take. It's like you looked at the game notes I had prepared because I just think I think we're stuck in this like mid 2010s Steelers team. Like we still think they're that team, but they are really set been set back. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a fine fantasy quarterback, but he just he doesn't get it done on the field to the point where like he can overcome some of the issues that they have defensively. Their receiving core is not what it used to be. Um, Juju just spent way too much time on TikTok. Um, I don't know. I just don't think the Steelers are what people think they were in the past. So I think the Vikings are gonna are gonna handle in this one. Okay, eight and five, week fourteen, first matchup with the Bears. Go to Soldier Field late in the year. So it's gonna be chilly. Ike. The Bears aren't very good either, I don't think. Uh, I think they've got some holes. But cold soldier field, long grass, Cook potentially, like he's not going to play every game, like you said with Cousins. For a different reason, Cook just probably won't play every game health-wise. Even if he did, I don't love the Vikes in in Chicago at Soldier Field. Something about it never clicks for me. It scares me. They never me. play well there. Yeah. Like they lose their consistently more than the Lions one. This is a, mm-hmm. a red This flag. one's real, I think. The Lions one is like, yeah, no, they find a way to lose but this one is like they just look bad against the Bears. Uh and I'm we talked about it with uh who was it? The 49ers having getting their new quarterback in. We're going to be seeing uh What's his face? Fields. We're going to be seeing Justin Fields. Is that his first name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We talked about it with the 49ers and Trey Lance, but I think we're going to be seeing Justin Fields for real here in this game. And I think he is uh, of better quality than Trey Lance. Hot So take. that makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, I think he's a better quarterback. Like I've, I've been on Justin Fields since the draft. I said, I said he was the best quarterback in the draft. Um, and I think we're going to see early on that that's true. Better than Trevor Lawrence, better than Trey Lance, yeah. better than Mac Jones. Mac Jones was a sleeper and I wasn't ready for him to be a starter week one. So we'll see about that one and him being in new England, that'll be interesting, but I still, yeah, I think Justin Fields will be the best quarterback out of this draft. Yeah, Justin Fields makes me nervous. Um, I looked up this one. In the last 21 games at Soldier Field, the Vikings have won five. So uh, the numbers do support the fact that that is a scary a scary place to play. I'm really nervous about Justin Fields. The thing I keep falling back on is Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL always suck. So I think he may be different, but I'm going to go with that. And I think the Vikings are going to take care of business. I think if he's not great, the Bears are bad, like very bad. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going with Vikings over the Bears. And we're starting a new trend of Soldier Field being our second home field. 
I don't really see any reason why that trend would reverse. And the fact that it's late in the season, going to need to run the ball well, I think having a mobile quarterback is going to be really helpful. And if we are indeed seeing fields, which I could definitely see happening, I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to contain him that well. L. And, and look at that trend of like who were the quarterbacks when we were losing all those games in that in that five and what Rex is it? Grossman sixteen yeah like it's we they were losing to bad Rubisky. quarterbacks the Bears have not had a good quarterback in a long time so for them I to be losing that many Jay games Cutler, who like you could argue yes is pretty that's decent, true but he was solid yes. but for the most part it's been pretty bad quarterbacks that the Vikes have been losing to and that is a credit to the Bears defense has always been pretty good yeah. um, but it's also a credit to the field the atmosphere it's something something up there. If the season plays out like we predict, that's going to be a huge game. At eight and five in yeah. Chicago to go to eight and six or to nine and five, that's a huge swing. Enormous. But take the loss. So eight and six, and then they welcome the LA Rams. Matt Stafford, Ike's guy, comes to Minnesota. This one's weird for me because I'm not sure if the Rams' weapons are as good as they've been in the past if that makes sense they still have a lot of the same names but i'm not sure if they're as good as they were in the past four years like his cooper cup's gone through some injuries same with robert woods um tyler higby is pretty solid as a tight end sony michelle is your backup running back feels good they don't have cam Akers right now it doesn't feel as scary as it had in the past, but then you have Sean McVay and you have Matt Stafford. And I think that combination is going to be freaking sweet, to be honest. I think they're going to be, those two guys are going to make this team good, uh, especially offensively. They have a solid-ass defense, too. They frighten me up front. If we're talking Vikings O-line, this is going to be the game when they just get demolished up front. Uh, and I think the Vikes lose bad. Yeah, I agree. I was going to mention the defense. I think their front seven is pretty strong, and I think their secondary is good as well. So I think the Rams are poised for a really good season. Honestly, I think I haven't looked at the Rams' schedule, obviously, but if they were in double-digit wins at this point, I would not be surprised. I think they're going to be a strong team. I think adding Stafford, they're going all in for this year with the, the draft picks they've given up to get him. So... I think this is an L for the for the Vikings, which sucks because now we're 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 going to be on the bubble in the graphic, but it's going to be tough down the last two here. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. Eight and seven. I'm sweaty at this point. They're definitely Dr. Molly. I'm sweating. I like that the Rams run their organization the way that a guy who's in a keeper league who plans on quitting in the next couple of years runs their mm. fantasy team. Like they just hemorrhage draft picks in the future. They're like, it does not matter to us. And uh, I'm in a keeper league this year and I'm planning on trying to do something very similar. I'm going to be trading a lot of future picks. So then the Vikes at eight and seven, squarely facing the potential of missing the playoffs, go to Green Bay for. Week 16. I mean, if we can't beat them at home, I don't love the prospects of going on the road at Lambeau in January. God. Uh, the guarantee will be like 14 degrees out there. It's not looking good in this one. I'm taking Green Bay. I think the Vikings, this will kind of seal the deal for their season, which will be a dagger, but... Packers are just going to be, I think, a little too strong this year for the Vikes. However, we do historically go like one and one 
very often against them. So, but I'll I'll say the Packers are just too good. Yeah, this is going to be the dramatic heartbreaker for the Vikings and the the school faithful. There's there's not going to get it done in this one. Ouch. Okay, eight and eight. Week 17. No, this is actually week 18, I guess, because of the bye. Mm-hmm. So game 17, that extra game, the Bears come to U.S. Bank Stadium. I think both teams are... They're, we're in the same spot. I think either we're on the cusp of the playoffs or we're both eliminated from the playoffs at this point. I am going to take the Vikings at home. We, I feel like we've played the Bears well at home over the same amount of time. I, I should point that out. I think our record's been pretty comparable with the Bears over those same 25 years. So that's just telling you at home, both teams get it done for the most part. Um, last year, obviously, the Bears came into Minnesota and beat them. Uh, but we went to Chicago and won, so they kind of flipped last year. But I think the Vikings get this done. Nine and eight season. That's my prediction, apparently. I'm right there with you, Connor. Uh, this will be the ultimate Kirk game of all Kirk games. He will have mm. a solid game. yards. He'll be sweet. Vikes will win, miss the playoffs. It won't matter. Just another pad the stats, over 3,000 yards, X amount of touchdowns, that whole thing. This will be the one that gets him there. You guys agree, so I'm speaking out of turn, but are you a little concerned if they were still in playoff contention going into that Green Bay matchup and then they lose and it knocks them out of contention that then they're just deflated? A lot down. And then they don't care about the last game of the season and just kind of mail it in? Well, to be honest, I, don't, I wouldn't care either. As a fan, like if they're out of the playoffs, I don't care of how they do against the Bears in the final game. Like yeah, if it's, like I was no for scenario. Loss almost, I'd be like, like let's it might move us up a pick or two. That's a true Wolves fan, Connor. Yep. Yeah, I just um, I think this last game is no, really going to depend on that. like where the playoff situation is. If they're playing for something, I think they would have a really good chance of beating Chicago. But if they've just been knocked out of the playoffs, I feel like they'd take an L. I'm speaking out of turn, so you can yeah, don't do that. Take this again. edit, shut your, cut sh- it out. Sh- sh- shut, shut, shut your mouth. <laughs> wow, a nine and eight season feels like a disappointment. Wah, 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 wah. I think if we go nine and eight, there's going to be swift changes made within the organization. I think name them. Who who made who's out? Kirk, Zim, Spielman, Dalvin. I think Spielman. I think honestly, Zimmer and Spielman like they're kind of a package deal at this point. They've made their bed together. And I think they're both gone. I think that will happen in the offseason if we go 9-8 and miss the playoffs. Um, I just don't know if there's an opportunity to move Kirk. So I think we play out his contract for the new GM, which is going to suck for them. But they're just going to be looking to build draft picks then, unless they are believers that Kirk's going to get it done. But at this point, another season that was underwhelming from a win-loss category, people are starting to murmur. Tell you what, if the new G, if this happens and we have a new GM and they have as much faith in Kirk Cousins as Spielman and Spielman, I think we might as well just get another new GM right away. That guy doesn't know nothing about nothing either. <laughs> <laughs> nothing about nothing. Man, nine and eight is that that bad? Are we like as a as a fan base at that? Our expectations have become that high of this group that they need to do. They need to make the playoffs, or would a ten and seven miss the playoffs keep a job? 
I think you could make an argument for that. I think nine and seven is just like it's just or oh, yeah. Nine and eight, sorry. It's just eight and eight, right? Like the old eight and eight. So I think at that point you hardly view it as a winning season. And with missing the playoffs, I just think that it's a disappointment. And honestly, kudos to the Vikings as a franchise. They've moved the standard, right? Like they've moved the standard to the point where if we miss the playoffs, that's a disappointment, which is really fun for us, I think, as Vikings fans. Also very devastating because it kind of fluctuates every other year. It seems like we're making the playoffs and then missing. Um, but yeah, I think the needle has been moved for the Vikings franchise to like, if you don't make the playoffs two years in a row it, after you're, you've been at the helm for seven years, we start to say, what gives? And I think it just goes to our conversations we've had numerous times about the impatience of professional sports. Like, if you think Zimmer's the guy and can turn it around, do we let him or do we just get a new guy in here and let him do the rebuilding instead of Zimmer? That's kind of the age old question, I guess. But I, yeah, I think I agree with your point about like the needle and like the standard has been shifted, but I disagree about the impatience with Zimmer and Spielman. I think they've had more than enough time at this point. Like, I think if you're, if you're, you've made it through a rebuild, you got to what looked like a peak and now you're back on the way down. Like it's not necessarily impatient if you decide that you want to start over at that point. I think it's if you give up before you allow a group to get to what you think their peak could be is where I feel like fan bases and organizations are impatient. I would have no qualms with them cutting ties with these two at this point. I think they've had a long leash and I think it's obviously benefited the Vikings. Like they've done, they've made the playoffs fairly consistently. They've moved this needle. Like they are the testament to what a franchise can do with a little bit of consistency. If that makes sense, even though I'm willing to say like, let's move on from them. They've had their time. They've had their chance. And I think they've gotten a fair shot. Yeah. I guess I just look at moving the needle as maybe a little more valuable than 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 you do in the circumstances of like they like I think they if you believe in Zimmer and Spielman like they can continue to grow this team into being an every year playoff team because they've continued to move the needle I think and like we've said pretty much every other year they're making the playoffs which that's up to the fan I guess is that good enough or is, does it need to be every year does it need to be like four years in a row and then we can miss type of thing because it's hard to know where the peaks and the valleys are for the Vikings because we go from having this superior defense but a kind of a shitty offense, and then one year we have Case Keenum and all of a sudden just like goes off. Our receivers are awesome. Thielen comes out of nowhere, becomes great, and then it dips down the very next year, and then Kirk comes in, and all of a sudden our defensive secondary, we're losing guys left and right. And so now our defense kind of sucks, but our offense is there. So it's like we just can't quite put it all together. Our offensive line has been horrible for at least a while now. So it's it's, it's it seems like a numbers game right now where it's like we can't quite get it all figured out at once, and that's how you win a Super Bowl. So we can stay good to above, above average to good, I guess. Or is it time to rebuild with a new new team, I guess, is probably the question the Wolves are, are pondering on a daily basis. It, okay, so the offensive line, I... I you bring them up and how they've been bad almost their entire tenure of Spielman and Zimmer. They've just been bad. It's always been the reason. And I feel like at, at some point it's like, it's not random that they're bad consistently. I think it has something to do with either Spielman's ability to identify quality offensive line and their coaching that they've had at offensive line, or it's their, their spending, their priorities. I think they, 
Zimmer has too much of uh, an ear in Spielman's or a, a voice in Spielman's ear on defensive spending. I think they probably overspend on defense because they want to be such a powerhouse unit on defense. And so then you have to take away that money somewhere. And I think they've consistently chose to take it away from the offensive line. And you've seen year in, year out that that doesn't necessarily work like that. You can't, you cannot in the NFL go cheap on offensive line and have a good offensive line. Like there just aren't enough really good offensive linemen where you can just try to underpay and still perform at a good level. I think the Vikings are a great example of that, of like, if you're not willing to spend money on the offensive line and high draft picks and like hit on those, you, you can't piece it together. And so for me, like that trend will continue if these two are still in charge forever. That will be perpetual. I don't think they're going to fall into a good offensive line. And I think they've started to now realize that with the Derisaw pick, like that one sucks. Like you, you wish he'd be healthy this year and you can't judge a guy on his first year, all that stuff. But it's, it's not something you just randomly figure out. I think with an offensive line, because you look at around the NFL, there's always teams and franchises that have good offensive lines, like year in, year out, they have good offensive lines. Like the Cowboys hate them or love them. They've consistently had good offensive lines. And I think it's because they prioritized that group over everything else consistently. And like the teams who have good offensive lines, they're a priority and the Vikings, it's not. Yeah, I think, I think from spend, it's, I might disagree a little bit, but I think from a draft pick standpoint, I would agree with your take. I'm like, if we want to have a good offensive line, we need to value that and assess that in the draft because the way you, the way you build a championship team is by bringing in three, four good classes, right, of, of draft picks, and then they're on rookie money, so they're cheap. And if you get a good offensive line at one time, then you can spend wherever you want, and that's fine. We just never address offensive line in the draft, and then we bring in free agents who are cheap. And so it's like, if we could just make it an effort in the draft, but then it's probably the Cowboys thing. Then you have a terrible defense like the Cowboys had for a while while they had this offensive line that was insane. So it's like, w- with good teams like the Patriots or the Bucks, like they just save money at the right positions. Like the Patriots, Tom Brady was like taking pay cuts year in and year out. The wide receiving core was always underpaid because they were guys that were rejects and then they play with Tom Brady and they're great. So now you leave all this money to spend on defensive and offensive line. And so I think, I think that the Patriots is why I got to the point of like skill positions are worthless. It's all about building the interiors, whoops, the interiors and then defense and obviously the quarterback position. And you're not going to get it very often where you have a Tom Brady who's like, I'll take less to win 12 championships or whatever. I was, I, I, yeah. I was just going to say, I don't think they're the, the Patriots are not a replicable model. Like you can't yeah. do what the Patriots did. No, no quarterback is just going to free agent quarterback, which is what it is now is going to take a pay cut because they could get paid a ton more at any other team. They don't have like, it just, it's not going to happen that way for any other team. So I think you have to find a different model than the Patriots. And they are like you, that is perfectly correct that they have been able to be so good for so long because Tom Brady was, is elite, was taking pay cuts so they could spend where they wanted to. And he could bolster up any offense, like any offense, any, any player was going to be way better with him just because he's that smart and he's that good. But there aren't that many quarterbacks like that. There's zero quarterbacks like that. So you have to spend money in skill positions to kind of like 
offset a quarterback who's not going to be as good. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I guess, I guess not so much from the Tom Brady taking a pay cut angle is what you're saying. It's more about the fact that he's that good. Yeah, that they cannot. Yeah. yeah, and that's a valid point. And I think that's the whole thing. It's every team in the NFL is just looking for that franchise quarterback. If you get it now, especially if you draft him. Yeah. Right. You get rookie year time to build the team. And so that's like what every team's looking for. And the bills. if the Vikings ever get there, yeah, the Bills, prime yeah. example. Where but then the Bills waste money on receiving core, which is their choice. But like I just I just don't understand the value if you have a good quarterback in investing in running backs and wide receivers. Like you can get guys who are solid and they if they are good role players, they can do their job and, and you can still win games. But yeah, I think it's unfair to compare any team to the Patriots because of their situation with Tom Brady. But but even the Chiefs, just, like if, if you don't have a good offensive line, like you said, if you're not if you're spending money on skill positions and you have a good quarterback, but if you don't have a good offensive line, you're not gonna be able to do anything, as we saw in that Super Bowl last year. Like ultimate weapons, future Hall of Fame quarterback had no time to throw can't do anything and it's like the vikings just keep drafting cornerbacks who suck that that's killed us i don't know if that's necessarily true though the vikings drafted garrett bradbury and he's been fairly bad they drafted pet Elfline, and within like two years he was basically a backup they i don't know it might just be an evaluation thing like even this is a deep cut but like willie beavers they drafted him in like the fourth fifth round as a guard and they cut him in training camp as a rookie because he was so bad okay yeah but, but i did i did say are... i did say their ability to like prioritize identify and talent. identify i did say yeah. that so you i know i think i think dalton's point is to me because i said like they just didn't haven't made offensive line a, a priority in the draft but i'll say drafting fourth and fifth rounders like those guys are are cut more often than you'd think like that those are rolling the dice i'm talking but about, not in rookie like not in training camp as a rookie like you have to be outstandingly bad there yeah, I don't know. I th- I bet they're probably cut more than you think on a team like the Vikings where the spend is such an issue and like they're you draft fourth and fifth rounders. I just don't think that that that's actually trying to address the issue. Agreed. Like regardless, like regardless if they're cut or not, like yeah, that's probably a point to them, but that's not fixing the problem. You're just adding depth, which is not really that necessary if your starters suck. So like mm-hmm. for me, when we draft cornerbacks like four years in a row, okay, well we have good we have some good DBs, but now we've chosen not to address any of the offensive line issues. And then we take Bradbury and then Derisaw, and was there a second round or two at some Cleveland. point? Elfline. Cleve, like Cleveland. Yeah. So Elfline was a little earlier, so that's kind of its own issue. They just drafted one lineman in like seven years there in the first few rounds. But then recently they tried to address it. And then I think some injuries have has caused issues there too. But but I mean Cleveland's good. Like Cleveland is an example where that was a good pick. I think nobody has issues with how he plays. Bradbury feels like he's underwhelmed a little bit. And now Darisaw, like they it seems like they tried to address offensive line now, and now it just feels like it's too late. Cause our defense sucks. Yeah. To defend the Vikings though, like nine and eight this season, you look at the schedule, it's hard. If you point out games where like they should win this game, the Lions, two games, the Panthers, and then maybe the Bears, but like all, all other games are hard. Maybe Cincinnati, but they have like 12, 13 hard games. The NFC West is a crappy 
schedule to, to have linked up. Like if we had the NFC East this year, we might be saying a little different things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. NFC West is really strong. All four teams. Probably the most interesting division in football. Yeah. NFC West and then the AFC North. Baltimore, yeah. Pittsburgh, you know, like those are good teams. Cleveland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Cleveland, even Cincinnati, there's a potential there. Yeah, the, that's a, they're two tough, tougher divisions. Woof. Vikes, baby. Football. I'm still excited for the season, even though I don't think we're going to be all that great. It's still going to be fun to watch them. Talk Agreed. about them. Get mad at Kirk. Love Kirk. Ooh. Ooh. Love it. Football's back. Thanks for tuning in this week. The Mini Market Podcast presented by Talum Sports. Dalton, Connor, Isaiah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, wolves. Peace. We got in some deep cuts there. I like that. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.